Hello, and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we are going to talk about movies. And whenever we talk about movies in virtual legality, it's because some studio or another has wound up fighting with each other. And in this case, unlike when we talked about Spider-Man and Sony and Disney, we're going to talk about Universal and what they have done with respect to the theatrical exhibition business paradigm and why AMC theaters and others, as we will see, are so up in arms about it. So I've got here a Variety article that kind of lays out what the big deal is from the start, but we're going to have to look at some background. It says, AMC theaters won't play Universal movies in wake of Trolls World Tour dispute. Now, interestingly, from the perspective of a contract lawyer, there is no actual dispute here as between AMC and Universal, but instead on a kind of implied understanding of what the business model of movie releases should be, what it has been, and what it should be in the future. And so if you haven't been following all of this, to give some background, all of these movie studios that had movies coming out this spring and this summer that aren't going to be available because movie theaters are closed in the age of coronavirus have been doing different things to try to figure out how to get movies into people's houses. Most specifically, Universal immediately put those movies that were in theaters, theaters that are now closed, on a rental basis onto video streaming services, your Amazon Prime, your Voodoo's, your iTunes, those kinds of things. And this included Invisible Man, The Hunt, and Emma. And then they went one step further. So the Trolls sequel, Trolls World Tour, was to be released at a number of different dates, but most recently over Easter weekend. And what Universal decided to do was that they decided to release it straight to home video without any kind of theatrical release. You see, those other movies that we talked about kind of got stuck in the middle of this whole coronavirus thing. They were already in theaters, and then those theaters closed down. So you didn't see this kind of uproar when Universal said, okay, well, those have already gone through their marketing platforms. Those were in theaters. You can't offer us those seats anymore. So we're going to put them on rental services. You didn't see AMC complain. You didn't see the other major theater owners complain. But what they did with Trolls World Tour was different. Trolls was never out. And unlike some of the other movies that we have seen that have just said, okay, well, then we're going to skip the spring, we're going to skip the summer, maybe we're even going to skip the fall, like James Bond or Black Widow or some other things that are very, very anticipated by a lot of folks that go and and enjoy movies, those movies have just been pushed out of this window entirely and are waiting for theaters to come back. Universal said, well, you know, we're already halfway through our marketing paradigm for Trolls World Tour. Let's just release it straight to home video and see what happens. Because the world is changing, right? We've talked about that in virtual legality a lot. Digital is taking over certain aspects of media consumption, certainly streaming television, but we're also seeing that in terms of video games and movies to some extent, that people have home theater systems that are comparable to those in major motion picture houses. And if you're not going to watch Endgame or the latest comic book movie, you maybe don't need all the bells and whistles and Dolby Atmos and everything else to watch what is a in-room drama that involves two people talking to each other and that Netflix has made a lot of money on in supporting. So Trolls World Tour was kind of in the middle. It's a family animated movie. It might be worth seeing in the movie theater. My family certainly would have gone to see this movie in the movie theater because my daughter, one of my daughters, really, 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 really loves Trolls, loves Poppy, loves the whole thing. And so we were ready for World Tour and we were very happy to have it be made available to us. So they decided to try this. And as it turned out, it went very, very, very well. 
Trolls World Tour Universal video on demand experiment racks up near estimated $100 million in essentially three weeks. 48 hour rental price of $19.99 with VOD terms in the studio's favor at an estimated 80%. Universal is banking an estimated $77 million in revenues before marketing. Those are better terms for Universal than the 50-50 or 60-40 splits that they would reap in their relationship with movie theaters. And as we talk about this fight, that's where the rubber hits the road. I know I use that phrase a lot, but I think it's always useful to kind of get at what is really behind all of this. And what is really behind all of this is that if Universal and every other content creator in a macro sense with hundreds of millions of dollars budgets can go and they can make the percentage better for them, can increase their cut, then that's going to be overall better for those movie studios. And something like this, taking this opportunity, gives them a certain amount of leverage. They can say to their shareholders, they can say to their board, hey, you know, this worked out okay. Maybe we should push on this a little bit more. And as we'll see, that's what Universal wound up doing and why it got such a strong reaction from AMC. It says, the recent PVOD revenue figures on Trolls World Tour come from the Wall Street Journal based on estimates of near 5 million rentals. They also spoke with NBC Universal CEO Jeff Schell, who has long rallied for a slimmer theatrical window and getting films into homes quicker. Now, Deadline points out there's still a lot of questions about this, and that's one of the things that AMC will be raising, as well as NATO. No, not that NATO. We'll get to that. And other organizations. Hey, what's the ceiling in regards to Trolls World Tour? Is this something that's a global phenomenon? You've matched a number that is pretty close to your domestic release, but is that going to carry on for future weeks? Also, if people have already seen it in their homes, can you actually sell them this product again that is the exact same experience and not a different experience than seeing it in the theaters? All of these questions are worth asking, but they're worth asking by the movie studios themselves who are going to be making this determination and trying to figure out how to deal now with some angry exhibitors like AMC and others. And that leads us to what happened yesterday. AMC Theaters refuses to play Universal Films in the wake of the Trolls World Tour. Now, if you're familiar with virtual legality, if you were here when we talked about Spider-Man and Disney and Sony fighting over its rights, you know that when we look at these articles, one of the things that we try to do is analyze them for what's really happening, who's got leverage, what are these giant multinational corporations trying to represent as their position and why the other side should fold and negotiate with them or stop what they are doing. And that's exactly what is happening here. So we've got this article from The Hollywood Reporter. It says as follows. AMC Theaters on Tuesday delivered a blistering message to Universal Pictures saying the world's largest cinema chain will no longer play any of the studio's films in the wake of comments made by Jeff Shell regarding the on-demand success of Trolls World Tour and what it means for the future of movie-going post-coronavirus pandemic. Earlier in the day, as we just discussed, Universal revealed that it had racked up an estimated $100 million in rentals in its first three weeks in North America, and then went on to say, the results for Trolls World Tour have exceeded our expectations and demonstrated the viability of PVOD, this business model. As soon as theaters reopen, we expect to release movies on both formats. Now, that maybe isn't the best articulation of what I strongly believe Universal means here. 
And that is that Universal is going to look at this more thoroughly in the future. Maybe there are things that should go straight to a streaming service. Maybe it should go to Peacock or whatever else NBC streaming is calling itself of late. And I do apologize for these ads here. I am never have seen so many ads as when you go and you visit Deadline and Hollywood Reporter and Variety. They just love their ads on their website. So I do apologize. Uh, But that when you've got something like this, and you have this proven success in something like Trolls, the question becomes, should we start to do this with more and more and more movies? Not just for streaming, but potentially for rental and for other things that would absolutely limit the theatrical window. And now you start to see the cracks and crevices in this relationship, right? Because AMC and Universal have aligned interests. They have aligned incentives. And that alignment has worked for better part of a century now but they don't have exactly identical incentives. And if it turns out that the public is just moving on from the theatrical movie experience, then Universal and Disney and everyone else would be wise to try to figure out what the new world order will look like. And yes, maybe that leaves a significant number of movie theater owners and operators behind. And so what you see when you have a statement like this is that somebody like AMC reads the writing on the wall says, oh, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to normalize this kind of business model. And one, we are going to react strongly against that for a number of reasons, which we will talk about. But two, also, we are going to read it as negatively as possible because we don't want any kind of normalization here. And we're going to try to characterize this specific situation right now, which I think everybody can agree with, as unique and very, very different than what the world is likely to look like once it kind of gets back up and running. This article continues, in a strongly worded letter to Universal Filmed Entertainment Group Chairman Donna Langley, AMC Theaters Chair CEO Adam Aaron said Shell's comments were unacceptable, and AMC is the largest circuit in the world. It is disappointing to us, but Jeff's comments as to Universal's unilateral actions and intentions have left us with no choice. Therefore, effective immediately, AMC will no longer play any Universal movies in any of our theaters in the United States, Europe, or the Middle East. Now again, note what just happened here. They took this Universal sentence that said, we expect to release movies on both formats, and they gave it the most negative reading possible. Rather than say, hey, you know, I bet what Universal means is there's going to be some mid-budgeted stuff. It's not testing well. We're going to want to put that straight on rental. We're going to not want to mess with theatrical distribution. Kind of advance the ball a little bit further down the field from what studios are already doing. But AMC looks at this and says, oh, whoa, wait, no. We're going to read that as you mean to do this, a Trolls release both in theaters and on rental at the same time in a way that would devastate our business. And we don't want that to happen. But note the corollary, if it would devastate their business, that means a lot of consumers would like that option. And so AMC is sitting here arguing a point of fact that a lot of moviegoers, the people that actually consume this entertainment, probably wouldn't like. Because if it doesn't work, as they will also argue, as we will see, if it doesn't work, if people aren't interested in it outside the age of coronavirus, there's no risk. The movie theaters still have a product that people want. They'll still go and attend there. They'll still pay their money there. But if it isn't that, if it is devastating, then the movie theater owners and operators have a problem, but they have a problem because the public has moved on. And that's not generally something that you're going to win in the court of public opinion because it's that very public that's not on your side. This policy affects any and all universal movies per se, goes into effect today, and as our theaters reopen and is not some hollow or ill-considered threat, 
Now, we got to back up a step from that statement as well, right? Because the other component of this is that it's very easy to puff out your chest, bang the table, yell and shout and make noise when you don't actually have to do anything today, right? AMC is closed. AMC isn't doing anything right now. AMC, for all practical purposes, doesn't exist in the world as of this second and won't exist probably until the fall. So saying in response to a universal statement like this, which admittedly has their own fiduciary obligations to their shareholders, to figuring out how to make money in this environment, that what you just said is completely unacceptable and we will no longer show your movies in our theaters in six months, isn't quite the same as pulling everything today. And I strongly suspect if this exact circumstance had happened outside of all these theaters being closed, you wouldn't see this kind of broad, bold commentary put forth in places like the Hollywood Reporter and Variety or wherever else this letter was sent. Because this is brinksmanship. This is puffing out your chest. This is saying, essentially, I am very serious about this issue and I'm going to take this draconian or maybe even hyperbolic step so that you know how serious I am, even when this step probably isn't legitimate. Right, AMC probably needs Universal movies, just like Universal probably needs a theatrical exhibition. And so in order to soften that, because that's the obvious kind of understanding of something that is so hyperbolic, you finish off your sentence with, oh, by the way, this isn't a hollow threat. When, in my experience, if you have to say it isn't a hollow threat, it suggests a certain amount of hollowness. Incidentally, this policy is not aimed solely at Universal out of peak or to be punitive in any way. It also extends to any movie maker who unilaterally abandons current windowing practices absent good faith negotiations between us. So their main complaint here, at least as espoused in this letter, is, well, we can talk about exhibition windows, but we have to be at the table because while we aren't aligned entirely in our interests, we are partners of a kind in getting these movies out to people and in making the most money for each other. But as we continue down the path to the age of digital streaming and everything else, I think we'll see these interests disalign even further. Additionally, stating that this isn't expected to be punitive, it's not intended to be punitive, is effectively a lie. The only reason you take this step is to punish unilaterally, universal for doing this to you. And so by definition, that's a punitive act. You are trying to punish them. You're trying to say, we are going to take away your money for exhibition in our theaters because you have done something that hurts our bottom line as well. So we're going to punish you like you punished us. It is punitive. Currently with the press comment today, Universal is the only studio contemplating a wholesale change to the status quo. Hence, this immediate communication in response. Now with that as the main statement from AMC, I think it is also worthwhile to talk about where AMC is coming from. If you haven't been following this, AMC is in a lot of trouble or they were in a lot of trouble until just a little while ago, and we'll talk about that as well. About two weeks ago, it was announced that coronavirus was pushing AMC Entertainment closer to bankruptcy, that people were analyzing the issue, and that AMC was apparently exploring a Chapter 11 bankruptcy filing. If you aren't familiar with that term, Chapter 11 doesn't mean that the company goes away. When you have a bankruptcy like this, it doesn't mean that all AMCs everywhere close down, you never see AMC again. What it means is AMC's debt load could not support what its operational revenue was, which is no surprise in the age of Corona because they essentially had to shut down their entire operation. But Chapter 11 allows companies to say, okay, 
Maybe we have a unique circumstance. Maybe something happened that we didn't expect. Maybe this will be viable in the long term, but not the short term. So let's work out new creditor relationships. Let's figure out how to pay you on a longer term. Maybe you have to take a discount on what we owe you, but the whole thing is viable and can continue into the future and make you some money rather than no money. So chapter 11 doesn't mean that AMC is going away. But, and I'm a venture capital, mergers and acquisitions, private equity lawyer, it's no surprise that in this specific circumstance, this is so unusual that AMC was able to sell people on the notion that, hey, this thing is going to be just fine when the world restarts. It's just not fine right now. So why make us go through bankruptcy? Let's instead raise money by making a debt offering. And as of nine days ago, that's exactly what happened. It says threat of AMC bankruptcy postponed as theater operator raises $500 million. Now, they raised $500 million in a private debt offering. These are private investors purchasing what amounts to bonds. I would call them promissory notes in the parlance of the law here. But they buy those notes and then AMC owes them a certain amount of money. It says it will mature in 2025, which means the expectation is that the ship will be righted and AMC will be fine over this five-year kind of bridge period and AMC will pay back this money at a pretty good interest rate, 10.5%, which is one of the reasons that they were able to attract the money. But it assumes certain things. It assumes that the world in the future is going to look like the world as it exists before coronavirus. And Universal isn't so sure that that's going to happen. And that's why AMC came out with the big guns here. Now, it didn't take long for Universal to respond. Looking back at the Hollywood Reporter article, the studio issued an evening statement saying it remains dedicated to movie going and that Shell's comments were misconstrued. We absolutely believe in the theatrical experience and have made no statement to the contrary. As we stated earlier, going forward, we expect to release future films directly to theaters as well as to private video on demand when that distribution outlet makes sense. We look forward to having additional private conversations with our exhibition partners, but are disappointed by this seemingly coordinated attempt from AMC and NATO to confuse our position and our actions. And I do agree that that is clearly what has happened here, that AMC deliberately took the most negative connotation to the statement that the Universal CEO made, and maybe inartfully. I think we can all grant that you probably should be more careful with that kind of language when you know your exhibitor partners are listening to every word on something like the Trolls release. And so you could have been more careful. Maybe there was some intentionality there, but it didn't say what AMC and NATO is accusing them of saying. Now, it's worth noting, this NATO is not the NATO that I usually think of. This is not the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. You aren't going to have various defensive armies move into place to try to defend AMC's rights here. No, this is the National Association of Theater Owners, who just like to name themselves after big multinational treaty organizations. Our goal in releasing Trolls World Tour on PVOD was to deliver entertainment to people who are sheltering at home while movie theaters and other forms of outside entertainment are unavailable. So that's Universal saying, hey, we're the good guys. These people are all stuck there. We had a Trolls movie on the shelf ready to go. Why move that date when we can help people survive the stay-at-home orders that have taken over the world? Based on the enthusiastic response to the film, we believe we made the right move. And undoubtedly, They did because Trolls would have had to wait to a period that is now likely to be a glut of movies whenever these theaters open back up. We then see a brief description here of what we just talked about, which is that AMC has a whole lot of trouble because of their existing debt load, which they have now increased. 
And if they don't have a kind of successful operational turnaround, a whole lot of people are going to lose a big chunk of money. Added Aaron in his letter to Langley, Universal's unilateral pronouncements on this issue are unpalatable to us, as has always been the case. AMC is willing to sit down with Universal to discuss different windows, strategies, and different economic models between your company and ours. All we are complaining about is that you didn't even ask us, which is maybe truthful, but also a little bit obfuscating, right? We saw at the top of this article, we saw in these other articles that Universal, Disney, all these other major studios have been eager to test the waters on what rental looks like, what home release looks like. Trolls was released for $20 for 48 hours, and they got that money, and then nobody else has the rights to Trolls, and they could potentially sell it again. And that might not be the ultimate winner business model, but you can't find those business models without testing. And the problem has always been that the brick and mortar retailers or the brick and mortar service providers like a movie theater has said, wait, uh, that'll cut us out of the entire economy. And so we are not going to abide by that. And we're going to use the best weapons we have at our disposal to prevent that. If you're in virtual legality here with me because I talk about video games a lot, you know we've talked about that issue in respect of that space as well, which is to say, as video games become more popular as digital streaming media, it has often been a question, hey, why when a game is done do we have to wait one month, two months, three months for it to be available at the Best Buy or the GameStop or wherever else you might buy your video games? And the answer has always been, well... The game studios, the developers and the publishers need certain shelf space to sell consoles. They need a relationship with GameStop or Best Buy or whomever in order to make sure that their economy doesn't bust. And that has been changing slowly but surely. And I strongly suspect this next generation of video games is going to have even more digital elements and maybe a complete separation from support of retail environments at all. Because GameStop has real problems with their financials, has real problems surviving what's happening right now, not even counting coronavirus. And so there is every reason to believe that developers and publishers in the game industry, just like movie studios here, like Universal, will be exploring and pushing on the edge of the envelope of what they can get away with in terms of cutting out the middleman, the exhibitor, the retailer. And that's why the exhibitors and retailers react so strongly. Because they can see the writing on the wall. They can see the future. 20 years from now, their position in this economy doesn't exist. Or it doesn't exist in the same way. But the difference between now and 20 years from now can be a whole number of different things. Did they get to keep their place in the economy for 5 years, 10 years, 15 years? That's what's being fought about right now. Aaron's letter capped an afternoon of high drama regarding Shell's remarks. NATO weighed in first, saying that while Universal may be pleased with the PBOD results of Trolls World Door, this outcome should not be interpreted as a sign of a new normal. Universal does not have reason to use unusual circumstances in an unprecedented environment as a springboard to bypass true theatrical releases. Theaters provide a beloved, immersive, shared experience that cannot be replicated, an experience that many of the VOD viewers of this film would have participated in had the world not been sequestered at home, desperate for something new to watch with their families. Now, that might well be true. As I said, we would have gone to the theaters to watch Trolls World Tour, but note that it is also the opposite of what happened, right? One could make the statement that people, families, would have watched Trolls World Tour at home had it not been limited only to theatrical release. You can fight this fight both ways. And that's why if you're universal, you have the better part of the potential for the public to side with you, 
right? Because the public says, okay, maybe I really do enjoy the theater experience. So we go to the theaters. Maybe I really do enjoy the home experience. So I enjoy the home experience. But the theater operators shouldn't just get to say, you can only do this one thing because the people can ultimately decide what is their preference. And yeah, that might mean that the economy changes. I adore my hometown movie theater. I'm not going to stop seeing big movies at that theater, but I've already stopped seeing kind of middle of the road movies that don't have special effects, don't need all those speakers at that theater because I have a 4K television and I love the home audio system that I've set up. So this is going to be a continuing issue. And yeah, I don't begrudge any kind of American theater organization, a trade association to protect theater owners from coming out and saying, theaters are super important people. And we're going to fight against something like this. I don't begrudge them that statement. I just don't think that they have the better side of history on this kind of thing. And change is coming. It's just a matter of when. NATO finished off by saying, unfortunately, Universal has a destructive tendency to both announce decisions affecting their exhibitor partners without actually consulting with those partners and now of making unfounded accusations without consulting with their partners. It's unclear exactly what he's referring to with respect to accusations. That quote hasn't been shared with me. I didn't see anything that could be considered accusatory. But again, one of the kind of messaging concepts here is NATO and AMC, and we will see, I believe it's Unic uh, from Europe, are trying to establish that we're the good guys. Universal is the bad guys. They are acting deranged. They're acting crazy. They're trying to cut out all this stuff that you love from movie theaters, because if that economy isn't supported, frankly, the theaters go away, and then you don't get to choose that as an option either. So there are partnerships here. There are things to discuss here, but, you know, coming out this strongly on something like this, when it's very unlikely that you will actually go through with your threats, when you will very likely in three months, four months, five months say, oh, you know, Universal came to the table and we came to an arrangement and an agreement and we now understand and we are looking forward to the next Fast and Furious movie released in AMC theaters. That's what's going to happen, folks. There's almost no chance that you won't be able to see Fast and Furious or uh, some other Universal movie that might come out. Maybe a Jurassic World. I think they got one of those in the in the hopper that you won't be able to see those movies at an AMC theater. What'll happen is, is that sometime in the future, they'll say, hey, yeah, they came to the table. They came to their senses. We won the day and Universal will say, sure, whatever. We just want to sell our movie in your theater and that'll be fine. But in the background, all of these movie theaters, movie studios are trying to change how things work. And we see that in the last quote from this article. Universal has taken the first step towards changing the paradigm, says a studio executive at another company, notably anonymous, noting that film distributors have wanted to test early PVOD for years. We've talked in virtual legality about game theory, about belling the cat, about one party having to take the risk of being eaten by that cat in order to benefit all the mice. And I think that's what you are starting to see here with respect to movie studios. They know change is coming just as well as these movie theater owners and operators know it as well. And they want to say, we at Universal will go, we'll bell the cat. We will take this heat from AMC. We will take this heat from everyone else. And yeah, it would be nice if some other movie studios came with us and didn't just allow us to take all the slings and arrows here. But we're willing to do that right now because we do want to change this paradigm. We do think we can make more money this other way, definitely in the future, but we think the future is coming very, very rapidly.
And then I'll leave you off with the fact that, as I said, European cinema's body eunuch says Trolls World Tour does not justify wholesale changes. And they come out and say the same thing that we've already talked about. So Europe, along with AMC, along with NATO, NATO, eunuch, these folks just really like to sound like they're involved in some kind of global deus ex conspiracy. They came out and said the combination of unusual circumstances should not be used as a reference to redesign a longstanding and proven release business model. Except in my experience, both in practicing law and working with clients, and also in my educational background with respect to economics and history, it is the case that when you have one of these significant culture-altering events, it is the time when businesses of all sorts in all industries reevaluate what was essentially just taken as a fait accompli, that this is just the way things are done. When the way that things are done is no longer available to you, a lot of different people will have a lot of different ideas about what way those things should be done. And yes, I agree. Universal is contemplating changing the business model. They are projecting that. They are presenting it just like they present something at a high stakes poker table. And the other side is presenting that if they do that, they will break them. But if I were a betting man, I'd bet on the movie studios in this particular fight. Because at the end of the day, digital streaming is coming. It is the future. And AMC probably is on the wrong side of this whole thing. That's been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoyed this video, please like, subscribe, tell people that we exist. We love to have subscribers. We love to have these conversations in the comments to our video. If you think I was right or wrong, let me know. We talk about these kinds of things all the time. We actually just discussed Disney and the fact that they used a little bit of inartful language to suggest that using the May the 4th hashtag would lead to their ownership of your tweets. As you can tell from the name of my video, no, that doesn't exactly happen, but there's a lot of interesting law there to discuss. Otherwise, we're talking about the business and law of all sorts of things. We talked about the future of Fortnite. We talked about YouTube and, and Facebook and Twitter and social media having difficulties now policing their content in the age of coronavirus. So if you're interested in any of those things, or if you think anybody that you know would be interested in those things, or you've got a forum or a thread or elsewhere that you think these things would be interesting to post, please help us out. Post them. We very much appreciate it. We love to have that kind of support, and we thank you for it. If you caught us on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it in its podcast form, thank you so much for listening. And please do leave a review wherever you listen to it at. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.